Welcome to the Backyard Buddhist Podcast. I'm Ron Powell McLean. Hello there. This, my friends, has been a week. <laughs> it has been a week. Like I have, I have definitely felt it. It felt twice as long as the, you know, the the weeks before the recent weeks before I should say and I think for me the difference is that I started several things started several projects at once and I think I started them all at once or not all at once but sort of turned them all on um, separately one after the other not realizing how large <laughs> the undertaking was going to be for each of those for each of those projects and i you know i i have patterns like everybody else and one of my patterns that i've noticed is that i'll start a few too many things and when I get overwhelmed, I sort of fail to do anything. Um, so then I get stressed out that I'm not getting anything done and it's a, it's a spiral and, you know, it's pretty normal um, in my life for that to rear its head every now and then. And, you know, Again, it follows another pattern of me regrouping and figuring out what is priority and what, you know, what things am I doing that I can let go of. So I've, you know, recently done some, some reorganizing of my time and, you know, where when we started in the, the pandemic a year ago, um, I was really aware how much, uh, you know, people were struggling and I ventured to offer a daily meditation just, you know, in the span of, you know, 20 minutes or a half an hour, some, some instruction and some guiding for those who had never meditated before. And, you know, we certainly had a lot of people showing up and doing that a year ago. And it's trickled off, um, you know, over time. And not as many folks are in need. You know, they're relaxed a little more. Things aren't as chaotic and unknown. There seems to be some light at the end of the tunnel. I think people are getting their their feet back under them and especially with you know vaccines rolling out i'm a little nervous that that specifically is going to get us in a little bit of trouble this summer because i know there you know a lot of a lot of folks are are hoping that everything will be back to normal by summer and some of my you know my friends several of my close friends are in the medical industry and they all kind of say, no, no, it's not going to be, it's not going to be ready. So 
we're going to have to have some time for things to settle in and you know we might be able to loosen some strings and you know get together with our families and people that we know and that we can maybe control some of the the exposure rather than just willy-nilly everybody back to normal and I think we'll we'll be in masks you know if not uh, mandated but even voluntary for a while uh, I know I will probably wear one voluntarily for a long time I remembered <laughs> I remembered recently um, when I was in Taiwan for you know two weeks and uh, in, in Japan, just overnight in Tokyo. And, um, you know, there were just, you know, there were, there were a lot of people who were wearing masks then. And that was, gosh, three years ago, four years ago. Um, a bit of time. And I think in Asian cultures, it's kind of no big deal. It's been around for a while. You know, they've had several um, I'm not sure if they were classified pandemics, but they were, you know, issues, SARS and that sort of thing um, that were moving around and masks are not a big deal there. So I'm going to let masks not be a big deal in my life. And I'm going to wear them when I feel like I'm in crowds and where I don't know people and as an introvert, it's kind of nice <laughs> having, having a little bit of uh, anonymity behind the mask. I've, there's been several times I've uh, been in my, my sunglasses, my prescription sunglasses, and forgot I had them on and ended up in a grocery store with, with a mask and sunglasses on, and I've, I've never felt freer. <laughs> But anyway, I think, um, you know, some of the, the chaos has died down. And in regard to leading a meditation six days a week and then Sunday service, um, I'm letting that go a little bit. I'm going to, I'm just doing guided meditations on Tuesday and Thursday now and still upholding our, our Sunday service. And I think that's, that's more than enough at this point. And if, you know, people need to reach out and have some additional instruction or guidance, I'm always happy to do that. But so I've, I've done some reorganizing and figuring out what, you know, what's important to me right now to get to get moving one of them has been um, i i feel very passionate about doing a class um online of course uh of the lojong teachings attitude transformation in seven parts so and i'm going to do it a lot like um what Lama Suryadas and Lama John McCransky did um, and what was handed to me. So I'm going to stick pretty closely to that and with some 
you know, a little bit of Ken McLeod in there too, because I really, I really like his approach to a lot of things. He's a cool guy. Um, so I'm working on that and several other classes. I have a whole lineup of things that I want to accomplish. Um, some, you know, meditation things specifically for Cultivate Meditation Academy and a few others that'll straddle between that entity and the Kansas City Buddhist Center and um, should be really um, some, some good transmission, I think. So I'm excited about that, but oh boy, I certainly got caught up in the, I'm not sure which direction to go. I'd been interviewing for some, some jobs lately. And I, I literally thought I was very confident that I was going to have an offer from three different entities. And I ended up with three rejections and was more than shocked. One of them I didn't really want. Um, one, I didn't think the interview process had uh, was completed yet, and um, that I thought it was on hold for a few more weeks, waiting for a new person to come on with their organization. And the the third one was, I'm telling you, the most perfect fit for my skill set and. I thought they felt that way too, and it did not pan out. So I was a little, you know, I won't say devastated, but I was a little shocked that that um, came down like that. So I was a little stressed out about those things. And I have an entrepreneurial bug in, in my blood that I really like working for myself. Um, so when I can do that, I appreciate when I can, you know, really just set my own pace and schedule. And I feel like I'm effective in that way. But anyhow, I, you know, I've been spending a lot of time uh, deepening my understanding and my practice of of the Lojong teachings. And there's one that I remember it coming up years ago when I first was introduced to this um, collection of teachings. And the, the instruction was drive all blame into one. And I know when I, when I experienced it the first time, I didn't, I didn't understand what on earth we could be talking about. Blame it all on one, really. And I was, my, honestly, my mind was like, who, who do I blame it on? Who do I blame it on? So there was a, a question mark in my mind about, well, who really is to blame everything on. And then I, then I thought maybe the answer was blame it on myself, blame it on myself, that this is all, you know, the manifestation of my desire or 
my karma or something like like that and to me that's just not the right answer either so what i've begun begun to understand by the explore, exploration of this one line drive all blame into one that when i read it again it was clear to me because i i say if you haven't written this down write it on the you know write it on the palm of your hand or you know write it in the the front of your your journal or whatever so that you'll see it you know write it on a sticky note and put it on the bathroom mirror that suffering equals attachment it's equal to all of the attachments and in our experience we can we can quickly get to the understanding of that attachment when we think about sickness old age and death the three things that kind of turned the the buddha toward his quest the shakyamuni buddha siddhartha gautama set him on his quest to find the relief of suffering from sickness old age and death so when we start to pick apart you know these the understanding of what does you know where is the suffering in sickness where is the suffering in old age where is the suffering in death and it's this attachment to our physical being and it's natural for us to have it and it's part of you know it's part of the job of the ego to convince us that everything that we have is tied up in this body that's the job of it so that we protect it in all ways but as we endeavor to understand our connect our interconnectedness our own um the base of our consciousness that which is the core of our being that that is through everything also the impermanence of everything and the impermanence of this body being quite specific so when we're driving blame all blame into one it's that suffering and that suffering of attachment so when you're struggling when you're suffering when you're having that even crisis of faith or you know for me you know there's there's a lot of suffering um around anxiety and depression and those patterns of thinking that part of my toolbox and part of my my um turning on the you know the spotlights of awareness are really shining in to and asking the question how am i attached what am i attached to that's causing me this sensation 
of suffering. And it's, you know, it's my body, it's my mind, it's my thoughts, it's my creativity, it's my, 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 my family, my things, my life that, you know, I'm, I'm about to be 53 years old in a few weeks and I'm not sure that I can say midlife crisis anymore unless I, you know, unless I really believe that I'm going to be a hundred and, and six. Um, so there's a little bit of fear that arises with, wow, maybe this is already half over. Of course, we never know, and it could end tomorrow. But, you know, if we think about dying of old age and living a long, healthy, or long, maybe not healthy, but long life, that there's some fear attached to, oh, crap. Like, this is precious now. You know, don't squander it. And I'll definitely, my husband and I are, you know, talking about making some you know, some decisions based on, you know, where we want to be, where we want to live, you know, what we want to experience, you know, in our, in our next years, um, you know, before we're, you know, too old to enjoy it, um, all of that. So like, there's a lot of emotion that comes up. So I can, I can really find it by asking that question. What am I attached to that's, that is causing this sensation of suffering, this emotional reaction of suffering? You know, I, I love some Pema Chodron stuff, or Pema Chodron, if you want to call her that. Um, I call her Pema Chodron, and she, um, she has some great commentaries on these Lojong teachings, as well as others do. But her her interpretation of drive all blames into one she says this is advice on how to work with your fellow beings everyone is looking for someone to blame and therefore aggression and neuroses keep expanding instead pause and look at what's happening with you when you hold on so tightly to your view of what they did, you get hooked. Our own self-righteousness cause you, causes you to get all worked up and to suffer. So work on cooling that, that reactivity rather than escalating it. This approach reduces suffering, yours, and everyone else's. I love that line in there. When you hold on so tightly to your view of what they did, you get hooked. Shenpa, I think, is the is the the word that the term that she uses, the Tibetan term that she uses about getting hooked and pulled in. So it's important to see and and take that honest unbiased look at our own reactivity and see what's going on. Watch for your patterns. And I know, I know 
I can watch my mom, I can watch my dad and watch their patterns. And even the patterns that they have that irritate me are my own patterns. We learn, we learn from our parents, we learn from those around us to pattern. And we have emotional reactions and patterns that show up in all kinds of ways and just lay the seeds of suffering all around. It's like the rapid growing kind. It's like, it's like planting bamboo, <laughs> thinking it's gonna just be in that corner of your yard. And then suddenly it's an entire forest. It's that kind of suffering. It's that kind of reactivity that just propagates. And when you get into those familiar patterns, it just spreads like wildfire. So it's our job to see that as it arises with the most objectivity, with the most honesty, not judgment, not criticism, but instead just to see, ah, there's the pattern that leads me to the effect of suffering. So we look for that reactivity and look closest to you. There are, you know, there are, are definite reactive patterns that are in your daily, your daily life. I have realized with, with a second little dog around, a puppy, that I am very protective. And I am, I may be a helicopter parent when it comes to dogs. We took our two girls to the vet the other day to get, get their shots and have, you know, checked out and all of that. And um, neither of the, neither of the dogs had a good experience with their shots, Aurora, especially the three-year-old. She um, was, you know, crying and screaming and I was trying to be a comfort. And um, my husband now tells me that I was, uh, that I turned into my mother and <laughs> that frightened me a little. Um, but I know that I, you know, slipped into a mode of protection and trying to be comfort. I don't like chaos. Chaos is not my preference. So I have a bias and a preference and a prejudice against chaos. Um, I don't like discomfort and pain. So I try to be the cool comfort you know, cool comfort in the room. And I was trying to be the cool comfort for the dogs. And that was not apparently working. Yeah. So it's important to be able to step back enough. And, you know, admittedly, you know, things like that moment of, you know, just trying to be helpful you're, you know, you're too close, you know, 
too co too close to to the forest to see the trees and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and i can reflect on the experience after it was done and maybe have an effect on future experiences like that maybe have mindfully let them you know take the dogs back give them shots without me in the room <laughs> you know that's a that's a healthy alternative so i'm just you know i'm pointing that out because i think it's important for us to see our own patterns we often and i you know i have close friends and relatives who will will remain nameless in this context who fall very closely to that that patterning and that um validation of the bad experience i'm having a terrible experience because i am busy overworked overloaded etc cetera, etc cetera, and that's the excuse for the suffering rather than you know really taking a full account And rather than just, you know, check marking it and saying, I deserve to be in this place of suffering. I've earned this place of suffering because my life is chaotic or I have these responsibilities. And that's a pattern. That's absolutely a pattern. And it's hard to see it when you're in it, but you know, my, uh, my job, if if you don't, if you haven't heard me say this, my job, and um, I hope to lead to some disruption. Disruption in your patterns, disruptions in your thinking, enough to get you to take an honest look. It's only you. It's just, it's just yours. We can't place all blame on anyone else. And I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as to say that all the things that happen in the world, earthquakes and floods and fire are the fault of our ego and our attachments. That's not what I'm talking about at all, but our own reactivity to those instances is our own is our own and that's not to say that we can be can or should be happy with devastation but we can be calm and that's really our job is to be our own source of calm because we see things as they are we see things in their true nature including ourselves and ourselves our ego starts chiming and chirping up and and saying you know this is mine i deserve it and i can be um cranky or i can be bitchy or i can be whatever i want to be because i've earned it with my suffering 
and that that if if anything i've said on this podcast isn't isn't disruptive enough i want you to hear yourself if you are saying something like that because that is your suffering and you are just perpetuating levels and levels of that reactive suffering levels and levels of that reactive suffering all yours so it's not turning the blame of everything into you or me but in our own blind attachment blind attachment remember the big difference in this is when we can shine the light of awareness straight onto that onto that pattern onto that that discomfort and change our understanding of it through the light of awareness when we can really take an honest look ah that's that's me being reactive in the same way that i've been reactive based on my traumas based on my experience, based on what's been handed to me. The patterns of my parents are my patterns when things are tough. It's only through the light of awareness that I can relax and go, oh, I just, you know, I went straight to that watering hole with that reaction instead of finding the calm and finding the reality of what was arising. So it's mine to cultivate that arising awareness in each and every moment that I possibly can. That's enlightenment, folks. The clear seeing and understanding of whatever's happening without bias, without judgment, without preference. We just see it as it is. Ah, that's judgment. That's bias. That's a conditioned behavior. And when we see it as it is, we can release our unconscious attachment to it. Remember, awareness sanctifies everything. So don't overlook it. I have said it, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. That ability only lies in this moment this active moment, this one that you're listening to my voice, the one that after you, after my voice stops playing in your ear and you hear your own breath or you hear your car or you hear the washing machine turn on or off, in that moment is the moment that you can have, a, have enlightened awareness 
and change everything. Blind attachment is simply the product of, of an unconscious mind, just in patterned behavior, forgetting that it has an option. So remember, here and now, awake and aware. And remember what Pema Chodron says, when you hold on so tightly to your view of what they did, you get hooked. Your own self-righteousness causes you to get all worked up and to suffer. So work on cooling that reactivity rather than escalating it. This approach reduces suffering, yours, and everyone else's. Don't overlook the one moment that you have a chance. It's right here and now. Your choice is blind attachment or enlightened awareness. You choose. I'll be back with you again next week. Have a great, great experience here and now in this moment carry it forward into the next moment to the next moment you'll see you'll see what that moment is made up of and that you can't find the beginning or end of the moment it's fluid it's your entire experience this is the venture this is the destination Nowhere else to go but here and now. So don't overlook it. I'll see you soon. Bye now.